Well, hey there, preachers. Today we're covering topic number six in our sixth sermon series called Too Casual from PursueGodNetwork.org. I'm with uh, Ra- Pastor Ross and Pastor Dave to unpack this one. If you're going to preach this in your church, Ross, why don't we start with you? Give us, uh, this is the last of uh, this series, so give us just a quick overview of where we've been in the series. Yeah, so again, this series is about the attributes of God. And so each week we've talked about one of those uh, characteristics of God's character, His nature, and we've tried to link it to a story or to a particular episode in the Bible that illustrates that character. So we've talked about, since number one, we've talked about how God is all-knowing, we've talked about God's power, His holiness, we've talked about God's compassion, and then last uh, week we talked about God's justice, and we want to end it on a very positive high note. We're talking about uh, God's grace. Yeah, so Dave, um, you took the lead on this sermon. You did a great job. But I love this story. It's from John chapter 8. The woman, many of our Bibles are going to read that this is the woman caught in adultery. But uh, I love how you titled this. You're calling this the woman caught in grace. And why don't you just tell us kind of how are you going to, what's the, what's the quick overview, that little two-minute overview of this sermon, and then we'll kind of dive into the points. Yeah, I think this woman um, is actually a picture of everyone. And she's a picture of everyone who messes up. She's, um, it's not just, in, in her case, it is adultery. But in someone else's case, it might be stealing. It might be porn. Um, it might be gossiping and really hurting someone. So, so really, the, the talk's more about, you know, what do we do when we really mess up bad? Mm. And uh, what society wants to do or some other people might want to do is really condemn us judge us and kind of use us for their means and ends. What God wants to do is pretty amazing, actually. What God wants to do is not condemn us. What God wants to do actually is demonstrate his grace Mm -hmm. and offer his undeserved love and favor. So I really think this message is for everybody um, that's lived any time at all. And if, if it's a young person and listen to this podcast, one day they'll probably go, you know what, there was that message, and I need it right now. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So Dave, how are you going to get into the sermon? How are you going to, it's such an emotive sermon, such a powerful story. So how are you going to sort of set the stage for the sermon? Yeah, I think backgrounds uh, add some flavor to this one. You know, sometimes there isn't much background, but I think background adds some flavor. You know, first of all, Jesus is really busy. His ministry is expanding. So he gets up early in the morning and he goes back to the temple. Well, this large crowd gathers early in the morning and and they're even on time. I mean, Jesus is so popular right now. <laughs> wow, they even and, showed up uh, on large, time. A large wow. crowd gathers. Go ahead, guys. Yeah, this isn't uh, church time. This is Jesus time. They're there early and they're ready. And I think that's interesting, but the custom in the background, rabbis actually would read the scripture standing up, but most of the time um, they would sit down to teach. That was the rabbinic tradition. And if you think about it, it's quite amazing. Jesus doesn't have our modern day sound system. He doesn't have the whiteboard, the PowerPoint. You know, he doesn't have to walk back and forth on the stage with a spotlight on him. He's just so insightful and so prepared profound and he's so compelling he can just sit down and do fine because his presence and power as a communicator is so powerful 
And I think that's important to know. People were really desiring to hear from Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so as this large crowd gathers, um, I think a well-crafted interruption occurs. I, I think the enemies of Jesus, these religious teachers of the law and these Pharisees, they were literally sending spies out where Jesus was teaching, and they were sending groups of kind of religious scholars to try to trap Jesus with difficult questions and situations. And so they're going to, I think, utilize this moment to try to trap Jesus in front of a very large gathering. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good to know. It's really interesting. I think we can tell that in a way that is captivating if we if we really maybe use some visual imagery and and tell it as if we were helping people maybe see a scene in a movie a little bit. That, that can yeah, uh, that's what I, I'm in. trying going to try to do is really um, have the listeners feel like they're there right yeah. at that moment. Um, try to help them as we go through the story, feel the emotion, feel the tension, because you, as you said, Brian, this is a very emotive story mm -hmm. and, um, and help them understand that these religious leaders hate Jesus. And so they're really um, willing to use this woman, this poor woman. Uh, they're on a stealth mission to, to really discredit Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're going to, they're going to catch this woman because that was the law. You had to catch him in the act of adultery. And they know that adultery is punishable by death. And it's a gruesome kind of death. Um, in that part of the world, there's jagged rocks everywhere. So you take the adulterers, you take them to the end of the city gate, and you just pelt them slowly, torturously to death. And so this is a really big deal back then to be confronted with the uh, adultery, because literally right before their eyes, they could see two people who committed adultery be killed. But there's only one of them being drug out in front of the crowd, huh? That's an interesting point. Yes. And so that's, that shows the hypocrisy, mm -hmm. I think, the phoniness of these religious leaders. Number one, they were not as religious leaders to ever see mm -hmm a woman even with her hair let down in public, mm -hmm. let alone naked or partially naked. Mm -hmm. So they are violating so much scripture, even by catching her in the act. That's good. Yeah. Also, how do they know she's in the act? Mm -hmm. So I, I think this was a setup personally at some level. Mm -hmm. They had to know where she was. They had to find her at the right time so they could bring her in front of the crowd. Um, and that's why I think we're going to see Jesus be so firm with these religious leaders, because I think he sees right through their hypocrisy. Okay, right. so Dave, sermonically, what you're doing here is you're gonna you're gonna read the story and you're gonna explain the background and you're gonna set the stage, and that that might take a good you know seven to ten minutes up front, right? You're yeah. front loading the story, and then you're just going to preach each of these next four points. As here here are the four lessons that we can learn from the story. Is that right? Yeah, that's good, Brian. This approach that I'm using for this message is you tell the story, you create the image, mm -hmm. you try to show the movement, you try to have people experience yeah. emotively what's going on. That's good. And then after that, you get to the points. Love it. Right. I love it. I think it's a great yeah. way to preach. Now, now, I have a question for you, Dave, in terms of how you envision it. Um, gripping people with the background and the story, that's really—I I love that— at what point in time 
you bring up, so you said earlier about how really this is every person uh, can see themselves in this story because we've all messed up in one way or the other. We've all been caught uh, maybe in, in something or another. So at what point in time, how do you weave in the interpersonal kind of hook with the biblical story hook? Yes. So kind of I will leave that till the end, Good. this idea that we're all this woman, uh, because I think as we go through the story, like point number one is it's possible to know a lot about God and not really love him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's not about the woman. That's mm-hmm. more about right? the that's uh, accusers, about right? supposed religious mm-hmm. leaders right. that mm-hmm. claim to be religious leaders who've memorized chapters and books of the Bible, mm. who have prayed loudly in public right, who have spiritually impressive language. Uh They even put some scripture verses on their arms and their (laughs) foreheads, somewhere (laughs) special clothes. And so what Jesus does is Jesus uses this opportunity they think they've created to show who Jesus is, and Jesus ends up really taking their mask off and showing the crowd that they're fake and they're phonies and they're religious mm, hypocrites. That's okay. brilliant, Dave. That's yeah, good. So Jesus yeah. turns the tables on him. It's really quite interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, that's a great insight that he that that they were trying to trap him and he ended up trapping them, right? They were trying to expose yeah. him and he ended up exposing them. Yeah, and I think, you know, there is a warning for us though, especially mm-hmm. if you've been a Christian for a while. Right. That and that's the first point. It is entirely possible. Mm-hmm to know a lot about God, but not really be that spiritual and not really love Him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was even thinking of my own marriage. I've been married a long time, and I do know a lot about my wife, and every year I learn a little bit more. But my wife isn't impressed that I know a bunch about her. If I knew a lot about her, but I, I didn't serve her better, I didn't love her more, I didn't have a deeper for her, that would really hurt her. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the same thing with God. Um, he does want us to know a lot about him, but it's so that we can love him and, and we can serve him better. Yeah. And so Jesus is confronting their hypocrisy that they know a lot about God, but th- they don't really love him better. Yeah. I'm going to have a little fun with that one too, by the way, I think, because like, there's a baseline <laughs> of things I need to know about my wife. Like I need to know her birthday. <laughs> but i'm never going to know her clothes size honestly i'll never know that (laughs) that's good that's great what about anniversary is that in the gray area there or am i supposed to know no um for you it is but it needs to move to the get done area yeah (laughs) okay that's good so I, i really like that i think that is maybe my favorite point in this whole sermon that's such a great point for you know, people who could sit there and maybe feel a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit too casual, right? A little too smug in their uh, in their knowledge yeah. of God. I think that's good. And then you move to the second well, lesson, Dave. You say, "Well, let let me say if I can one other thing because yeah. I think as the teacher, what I'm going to try to do is say, you know, imagine the religious leaders with their smug smirks, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But also imagine the crowd. They are shocked. They've never seen religious leaders confronted like this. Mm-hmm. Um, Imagine the skeptics of Jesus, like, hey, they're going to get him, or, or the admirers of Jesus, hoping that somehow he can get his way out of this trap. But the person then we kind of transition to is this poor woman who I think is simply used as bait. Hmm. Um, yeah. They could care less about her. 
um, they they are going to destroy not only her. This is a shame based culture. They've not only destroyed her, they've now destroyed her relatives and her family. Mm-hmm. And they don't care. They, they really don't care. So I, I hope the teacher can help people understand this is um, high stakes confrontation going on right here. Yeah, that's good. Now, where do you move in the second? So you've got four lessons out of this story. What, where do you yeah. move in the second lesson? I would yes. I would also tell the 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 teacher of this. You got to kind of roll through these because there are four points yep. once you've taken the time to set it up. Right. So I will go through these rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is Jesus is the only one who is large and in charge in this life, and uh, you know these religious leaders thought they were large and in charge because they <laughs> had been. People right. treated them as large and in charge, and they got as we used to say too big for their riches. And so God has to to let him know who's really in charge. And so Jesus, which again to me is so gracious of him, you know, he writes in the sand a couple times. We're, we're never told what he writes. We, we don't know. We don't know if he's writing out some commandments he knew they violated. Uh, we don't know if he's writing specific sins maybe they committed. We don't know. But one thing we can say is Jesus gave them time to repent. He gave them some time to think about, should we use a woman this way? And they don't take advantage of his grace. Mm -hmm. They don't do it. And so he stands up, and I I can't even imagine this. And so there he is drawing on on the sand. But this time he stands up, and looks at him, I think, right in the eyes. And Jesus doesn't really just look at you. Jesus, I think, looks through you. And I think the whole dialogue began to change right around there, that they now understood, wow, this guy can see right through me. And they're more like yapping dogs who have now been silenced because the Lord of the universe sees right through their hearts and right through their motives. Mm, that's good, and you're preaching it already here, Dave. This is good. I, if you if you gonna if you were gonna ask us to raise hands right now to come forward, I think I would be. I, you'd have one, maybe even two hands raised. I don't know about Ross. I'm not gonna speak for him. Okay, that's that's really powerful. And you then you move on in the third lesson as you again as you're kind of moving through the lessons, right? Um, yes. You, now you start getting personal. Right, because you're talking you're talking at first about the Pharisees and now about Jesus's authority. You know, still in relationship to the Pharisees in large part, and now in the third lesson, you're moving to we're all like this woman in one way or the other. Yeah, because if a person's honest, um, we've all been broken. Um, we've all committed um, adultery in our mind. Um, we've all lied seriously. We've gossiped. We've been like the Pharisees, religious hypocrites. Um, Maybe we've denied Christ in a group, or we, we, we chickened out, and we pretended we weren't a Christian. I mean, some, like, in a sense, deserting him a little bit. Mm. Um, and so we are all like this woman. And what I find so compelling here is the religious leaders came as a gang to put a hit on Jesus, but then the Bible says they were so convicted— that one by one, um, hmm. they left. 
So they come as a gang. They leave, I think, as totally convicted individuals with the oldest first. Mm. And Ross and I are a little older than you, Brian. Amen. And and we know, yeah, we know why they left first, because we've had a lot more time to think about our junk and our mistakes Mm. and our sin. And so they leave. Okay, so before we finish the lesson three about how we're all like this woman— um, is do you plan to how much do you plan to like give specific examples here because we say hey the Bible's clear we've all fallen short of God's glory and so forth how much at this point do you want to elaborate on that with um, some illustrations or do you save that for yeah later? that's a good question um, yeah I've talked to both your wives and so they've given me some really good <laughs> stories to share about each of you great yeah um, that's great I can't thought... wait to hear what one she chose I'm glad you didn't talk to my kids. <laughs> no, right here, I, I think I will share some, but I will say this just as a communicator, um, to be careful um, mm-hmm. about who your stories are about and right. how much you, you're willing to share. And so, yeah, I think it's a good opportunity to share either one really compelling story of, of someone who was like this woman or a time in your own life when you're, you were like this woman. Um, or a couple smaller, shorter stories or examples. Right. Um, and, and the reason we know we're like this woman, too, is the Scripture tells us, you know, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. We've all gone our own way instead of God's way. So I think if in our own hearts, if we can't come up with, with some of our own stories, maybe we should go over this lesson a couple times. Right. Because, you know, the Scripture thinks we're like this woman. Yeah, I think so, this is, this is a good illustration about how to how to how we tell stories about our lives, because I think you know we want to be open and vulnerable, but we also don't want to say so much in detail that we lose credibility to people. So right. So there's a transparency, but there's not an absolute transparency about what we share about our lives. That's the way I've always approached it, and I was thinking actually in this section a story of someone that's happened to someone else that uh, some friends of ours, that he got himself in some really deep doo-doo uh, this last week. But as I think about it, um, that story might be too shocking, and so I want to be careful mm. to tell a story here that doesn't dominate the point and get people thinking more about the story than about the point the story's trying to illustrate. Yeah, that's I good. think that's good. That's great. And, you know, another thought here, sermonically, is, uh, you know, some of you, as you're prepping this, you might actually start this whole sermon with a story or with part of a story about being caught in 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 a, a situation, right? It'd be a good way to kind of open this whole sermon. And if you do, maybe you weave part two of that story, you come back to that story that you opened with, if that's how you're going to start the mm-hmm. sermon. That's great. But in either case, Dave, you you end with this last, this final lesson from this John 8 story and that you say that God's grace is always deeper than our sin. So this is obviously where you're going to kind of land the plane and maybe even share the gospel. Yeah, I think, um, well, you know, this is probably my favorite concept in the scripture. Um, that grace really is the undeserved love and favor of God. And I like to explain it, that grace is this undeserved love and favor of God. Um, even though you don't, deserve it, even though you can't earn it, and even though you can't pay it back. Because what that understanding of grace really does, it puts all the focus on God. And and so God's grace is so big, and it's so powerful, that it's always 
greater than our sin. It's always greater than our worst mistakes. It's always greater than that five to 15 minutes someone wished they could have back. And so I think the story ends in a sense with two things. Number one, um, this is kind of the woman with the scarlet letter, but Jesus, he, he doesn't let her off the hook. He doesn't, he goes, he tells her don't sin anymore. So Jesus never minimizes sin. So grace is never minimizing sin. Grace is actually acknowledging um, how serious sin is that it, that had to be paid for. So he tells her on one level, hey, I don't want you to sin anymore. But on the other level, he's, he's just so loving to her. He says, listen, I'm, I'm not here to condemn you, right? I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to give you undeserved love and, you know, undeserved favor. And I know you, you, did, you don't earn it and, and you can't pay me back, but I want to give it to you anyway. And so I, I just think that is the heart of the gospel, that God's love is always deeper than our sin. That's good, but it looks, I'm looking at your notes, and that's not exactly where you end the sermon, right? Because you come back to verse 11. And how are you going to tie verse 11 into the, to the close of your sermon? Yeah, and so then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Um, didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord. She said, and Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. So again, it's, it's, it's the beauty of God. On one hand, he's holy. And then on the other hand, he's gracious. And so he, he, he wants the changed heart. In other words, God accepts us completely where we are in our sin, but a loving God would never want to leave us there. Mm-hmm. And so my thought is to help us understand um, that the love of God had to pay for my sin um, and he doesn't want me to keep that habit that keeps hurting him and others and ourselves. But also, I, I, I think I want them to leave with this idea that we all need Jesus, some for the first time. And I would do a kind of verbal invitation to know this great Christ. Um, and then those of us who know him, just this this utter reminder of the grace of God can even cover um the issues we've maybe struggled with lately. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, it's a powerful sermon. The title is called The Woman Caught in Grace, and it's the sixth and final message in our two casual series. You can find Dave's uh, manuscript notes along with plenty of other sermon resources at PursueGodNetwork.org. Just check out our sermon library. We'll see you next time on The Preacher's Podcast.